Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Everything Auburn with Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell. We're here to talk everything Auburn athletics around this week. Obviously not the most fun episode, not the most fun game to recap, but Jason and I will do our best to make it pleasant, break down what happened this past week, and obviously preview the matchup with South Carolina this upcoming weekend. So we're glad that you've joined us. First, we'll go ahead and get the business out of the way, give you a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Online. We're back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So you can head to the new updated desktop or the mobile website to sign up today, and they're going to give a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You just have to use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive the bonus. That is B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to get a 50% welcome bonus on the new updated desktop. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline where the game starts. Speaking of where the game starts, I mean, uh, we started well, Jason, we just didn't finish well. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I was actually there watching this and uh, I tell you what, this game was, it was one that leaves your breath taken because it's not like it ended in a way where just like oh man that was like 2013 iron bowl no this was Mm -hmm. like the total opposite um you know you're up 28 to 3 sorry atlanta falcons uh it's almost (laughs) (laughs) to be back to that moment like it's 28 to 3 and all of a sudden they score right before the half and then it's 28 to 10 and then they got the ball back and then they went down the field and scored to start the third quarter and at that moment I, I felt the momentum just starting to leave and I felt oh that they was like just grabbing on to it and we was kind of like stuck like mm-hmm. okay we need somebody to make a play we need somebody to 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 do something and then from a defensive standpoint it's like we need somebody to get a stop or get a turnover and neither happened and they just kept scoring and just kept scoring and 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 we couldn't score we couldn't sustain drives and 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 everything and when you look at them, let's give them some credit in the second half as well. Like Will Rogers, it's not all his throws. He was just standing back there and throwing to wide open receivers. Someone was contested and he was just putting the ball on the money because once he got hot, you always hear basketball shooters say when they get hot, the basket just looks so big. You know, it looks yeah. three times the side. It's almost like he felt that way throwing the football in the second half. He went 24 for 28, you know, and uh, had six touchdowns. And to have 40 unanswered points, that's a lot. Like yeah. that means like, you know, whatever you want to call it, it was a total meltdown in the second half. And, uh, you know, that's a young football team and a team that's, you know, Coach Harson in his first year. This is something that um, they got to see how they're going to respond to from responding this week from it. I mean, meltdown is probably the kind way to put it. Obviously losing to Mississippi State 43 to 34 gave up a 25 point halftime lead. 40 unanswered points, which was the most points at home against an unranked opponent in 25 years. Like you said, Will Rogers, 44 of 55 passes for 415 yards and six touchdowns and 81% completion percentage. 
He tied Aaron Murray for seventh most passing yards ever allowed by an Auburn defense. Um, and I just, I want to get your perspective on the mental element of this because to have such a complete, uh, like 180 happen mm-hmm. from the first half to the second, how does that even happen? Like, especially on your home turf, you know, that it's a, it's an exciting environment. It's an SEC West matchup. You're rolling in the first half. And so many times when we're talking college football, I mean, every single week when I ask coaches and players, what is the goal for this week? All of them say we need to start fast. How you start has such a, an impact and an imprint on the game. And we have a 25-point lead at halftime. And not only have we established a, a point differential, but we're playing and executing very well. Bo had a good first half. Some uh, Tank had a good first half. Like, you've got some momentum. I would think if you're having a first half like that, you're having fun. You're, you're energized. You're elated. You're, this is what you love about college football. When things are working for you like that, you're having fun out there. This is a very rare narrative that you see happen where you come out in the second half and it is like the energy was sucked out of you. I I don't understand. So, so give me a little insight into how that narrative can swing like that when things are clicking for you in the first half, like what, what attributes to that? I tell you what, starting a game off, it was definitely, it didn't have the feel of an 11 AM game. It had to feel yeah. like a two thirty game. Like the crowd was into it. The fans came out and, and it was like, it was electric, you know, getting going for two teams that just came off of uh, tough losses to show up and to play and to play a 11 a.m. game, which you know both had winning records, like this was still a big ball game. And mm-hmm. Mississippi State came out sleepwalking, and it looked like Auburn came out, you know, ready to play, prepared, uh, hitting on all cylinders. Like Bo wasn't even being touched in the first half. It was like he was throwing seven on seven uh, from a defense uh, from a defensive spawn. We was getting to Will Rogers. We was getting off the field. I believe they was one for seven on third downs in the first half. Jeez. Um, you know, and it's just like, then you look up at the second half, it's just like, what happened? And, yeah. I, and then, you know, sitting there, you know, for one thing, you know, from a fan perspective, a lot of them left when it got 28 to three, thinking the game was over. Mm-hmm. When you're playing against a team like a Mike Leach team that can throw the ball around the field and they average throwing the ball 50 sometimes a game, like you really have to make sure that you kind of stay in there. You know, the kids, they, they kind of need that noise behind them especially yeah. to make noise against them because, Taylor, the whole half of one side of the end zone where they run out of the tunnel, half that side was gone, had done left the game. What? So, yes. So, in the second half, half those people wasn't even there. So, Jeez. when they got closer to that end zone to score, it wasn't a lot of crowd noise to affect them from a snap count standpoint and to create false starts and, uh, you know, to kind of build that energy up for the guys and, and everything. So we have to understand from a fan standpoint that we got to stay there a little bit longer now. You know, anything can happen because these kids feed off that noise. And, you know, I get it. 28 to three, you thinking game over, you're going to get on there out of there and get home, get something to eat. But, you know, it just, it's just, you just never know. And then, like I said, Mm -hmm. for us, you know, we didn't have a big day running the football successfully. Like, uh, you know, half our yards came off of Javaris Johnson, you know, catch, behind the line of scrimmage that counted as a run instead of a pass 
of the hundred some yards that we got. So, right. you know, you take that away. We only had maybe 50 some yards rushing. When you're playing against teams that can pass the football, you have got to take the ball away from them by sustaining right. the drives, by running the football, melting that clock down and hitting high percentage third down throws and plays. And in the second half, that didn't happen. Some of our third down throws were who's hitting shanker in the flats for like a three yard game. Mm-hmm. You know, like we, we need to try to get the ball thrown past the line of scrimmage, and, you know, whether by design or whether Bo just decided to take those short throws. I just feel like, you know, there was time to still to, to let things develop. But uh, right. we didn't do that. And when you go three and out, three and out, three and out, and then the defense is on the field, on the field, on the field, and they hadn't stopped anybody and we hadn't got a pass rush in the second half yet, like against them, like he was throwing seven on seven. Like there was times yeah. he would look to the right, look to the left, come back across the middle, and we still haven't got pressure on him yet. So that's a concerning thing. Like if we're going to run a 34 defense and run a three-man rush, we got to find a way to create pressure doing that. What are we going to have to start bringing some extra blitzes? And, and Well, that's just, what I was going to ask you. Why yeah. are they not blitzing? And the thing, the only thing I could think of is, okay, all season, you know, Derrick Mason's done a really good job of making second-half adjustments. So that will concern me. And this one, I was just like, okay, we're not making adjustments. And then I think about yeah. what, he, what the things they've done in the previous games is they really didn't make anything different in the second half of those games. They just played better at what they was doing. Mm. And I guess they just stuck with this because I'm guessing there's not an understanding from the guy's perspective of – everyone knowing where they got to go from a blitz perspective in a 34 defense, and then you got to Jeez. drop to certain zone. So it can be a little bit more complex than a four down defense. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's way, I think that's why we are not seeing more blitzes in a 34 defense. Well, I mean, and you just felt like if any week was going to be the week to do that, it needed to be this one because of the air raid offense. Like you, you know what you're about to get from this offense. It is black and white and there was no adjustment to compensate for it. And I guess in the first half, you feel like, well, we're doing our job by the second half. Once that air game is, is clicking, you got to do something. I mean, he was, you're right. It was like seven on seven. I mean, he was just comfortable and sitting back there and airing it out and and we had no answer for it and obviously you see that 40 unanswered points in the second half against a a defense that has really done pretty well and and certainly has solid guys I mean we know that Zacoby McLean 14 tackles and a pass breakup Chandler Wooten 11 and two pass breakouts now Papa was out once again so we were without one of our best but I mean They were also able to rely on a lot more, like you said, the shorter, quicker passes. And so the linebacks had to drop back into coverage more often. I get that. But it just, once again, you just feel like this front and and we're doing quarterbacks favors in a way. They're able to come against this defense and and really show out and be comfortable. So I I don't understand why blitz packages are not becoming more prevalent. But offensively, Bo threw for a career high, 377 yards. He had two touchdowns. He was 27 or 41. Obviously, like we said, a strong first half. He completed his first nine passes of the game, really got things rolling. Uh, There were two 100-yard receivers. Kobe Hudson had 107 yards on the day. Javarius Johnson had 102, but minus 14 rushing yards in the second half. And then, of course, we all know what happened. Unfortunately, Bo Nix injured his ankle in the third quarter. He tried to gut through it, which my hat's off to him, playing on it for a while to find out after the fact that it is, in fact, broken. We will talk about that here in just a minute. 
Anders Carlson also, uh, I mean, you can go ahead and just consider him in a bit of a rut, I guess. I mean, he's missed four of his last six field goal attempts. One of them was blocked. One of them was a 55 yarder. That's no easy thing, but like, this is not what this kid is capable of. We know that. And he has a knee injury now as well. So he's going to be out, but it just felt like everything that could fall apart in the second half did. Um, and I, I'm not entirely sure at what point And this is neither here nor there, I guess. But at what point is it, you know, does it fall on the players? And at what point does it fall on the coaches? Like, I felt like when I was reading on this one, the second half, I feel like Mike Leach and company outcoached our staff. Honestly, I think that that the players did not rise to the occasion, but I just didn't see anything from the coaching side that helped stop the bleeding at any point. Well, that's what I was just about to say, uh, you know, from a player's perspective and a coach's perspective, like as a coach, you have to design something to stop the bleeding. And, right. and I didn't feel like we did that either. When you talk about like the defense, I think the reason our defense kind of didn't change was because let's face it over the last before we played them this previous six quarters, they haven't given up a touchdown. So right. they always play that bend but don't break defense. But then all of a sudden it catches you in this game. You get against a good team that can score in the red zone. And this team could score in the red zone. And that was the difference. Like, they may have thought, okay, we get them from 20 to 20 like they was doing the first half because they don't have a field goal kicker. But the field goal kicker actually made some of their early kicks. And then all of a sudden, things start to change. You know, they start – they caught hot. And then we did try to go to a dime defense where we had more defense and bats on the field and and everything where we was trying to cover them, and that didn't work. And so my whole thing is when I've watched Mississippi State – this season, they struggle when teams blitz them and get Will Rogers off the spot. When they hit him and hit him consistently, he doesn't have time to sit back there and look right, look left, and get the ball over the middle because at that point, he's hit. He's mm-hmm. down. So we didn't do anything from that standpoint. That falls on the coaching staff. Uh, when you think about the offensive standpoint, you know, this falls on the coaching staff as well because we didn't do anything that we was doing earlier in the game and start the second half to try to get some design runs and some design plays to just get some things going. We kept trying to run up the middle a few times and we was leaving guys unblocked, you know. Now that's on the players, you know. That's right. you not doing your assignment. Like there should never be an unblocked defender at the line of scrimmage, you know, on run plays. And that happened quite often. So – you know, people can't blame this on the receivers and all this type of stuff because the receivers actually showed up again. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is, you know, that they, they played a really good game and uh and and it shows statistically. Uh Kobe Hudson has some outstanding catches. He is yeah fast becoming, you know, Auburn's number one receiver. And uh, you know, and he has the talent, he has the ability. Javaris Johnson, the guy we've all been looking for for the last couple of years since he came mm-hmm. out of Trustville. This guy is He's showing up. He's making plays. So there was one big drop in the game. I thought it could have kind of stopped the bleeding. That was, you know, Robertson's drop over the middle. Uh, You know, he ran like a dig route. was on the third down and the ball kind of hit him in the face mask and, uh, you know, and and everything. So he ended up dropping that one. And there we go again. You know, it's just like things kept unraveling. Carlson. Carlson got hurt. Taylor, they was in punt safe on defense. Like Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is. They're looking for a fake or anything, mm-hmm. sort of. So we lined up. We was going to do the LSU play where they ran against Bama, where Carson catches the ball. He runs up the middle and jump pass and throw it to somebody. We was going to try the same play. But once you see punt safe out there, you got to call that off. Right. And I feel like the reason we didn't call it off, because at that time, we felt like we was in desperate measures. But, okay, if we were in desperate measures, 
and we're going to run up there and run a fake punt and they're in foot punt safe, then why not just go for it on fourth down then? You know, you got yeah. a better chance of going for it on fourth down and getting that you are getting a fake punt against punt safe on defense. So that falls on the coaching staff. So there is enough things to go around where coaches and players have to look at themselves and say, this is just a whole total team meltdown. And yeah. we're going to have to recover from this one because this one can't linger. You're going, you know, we can't let this one linger because now you have players that are injured and are out and it's next man up. But like you said, even before Carson got hurt, our kicking game was struggling. You know, mm-hmm. the week before we had to lay our games on, on the field goals and Carson was going crazy, you know, yeah. about that. They were missing field goals. So it's kind of been in up, which is what we're not accustomed to seeing when it comes to Carson and that and that field goal unit kicking mm-hmm. balls is almost used to think automatic. You can't say that no more. Right. So where are we at right now? You know, as as a football team, you know, we were mm-hmm. totally different. We were two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, everyone was like, oh, man, Auburn's five and two got a chance to control their own destiny. And then you lose the test today. And then you come here and say, OK, well, we still can control our own destiny as long as. You know, Ole Miss can beat Texas A&M, which I figured they would. It was in Ole mm-hmm. Miss that night, and they did. So everything happened that needed to happen. But guess what? We didn't take care of business. So that's why right. I say nothing matters till you take care of your own business. No, I, I completely agree with you. The narrative, and honestly, this is why, well, I can't say it's fully why, but this was a, a part of the problem that people had with Gus Malzahn seasons was because it didn't feel like consistency was sustained. And you do, you always have this hope as an Auburn fan. You, you know, the foundation is there. It's a stellar program. We, we are going to get athletes that want to come to school here. So like the blueprint is going to be there. So it becomes a matter of execution and who's driving this thing home. And this season, the narrative has kind of been the same. Like you, you have these, impressive wins, these impressive showings, and you feel like, okay, there's a possibility that we're in this thing. And then the wheels fall off and no one is able to regain control. And I don't, I don't know at what point, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this is a Harson thing because gosh, let's still remember this is his first year, not only first year at this program, his first year in the SEC. This is a very different situation, okay? This is the first year that the staff is gelling. Like these things take time. We have said it so, so often on this podcast, but it does, it, it reminds you of issues that have been here for Auburn in so long and you don't know what that missing piece is, but it felt like there was something prominent that was missing in this one. And it does, it shows itself in, in losses like that. And it's just, it's a really hard pill to swallow because you know what this team is capable of. And they, for some reason, aren't able to maintain it throughout an entire season, but let's talk about Bo. Uh, I really want your input on this, obviously really tough news, regardless how you feel about Bo. I mean, the guy, he, he puts everything into playing for Auburn and, and he, while he can still have, you know, moments where he's his own worst enemy, you know, he cares and, yeah. and, you know, he has passion for where he is and what he's doing. And so to see his season in like this is, uh, is challenging, but also to know that he was playing out there on a broken ankle. I mean, he, whether or not he made it worse by continuing to play on it, I don't know, but he didn't want to give up and that, that's something that we do know about him. And so um, his season is unfortunately done. He underwent surgery. It was successful. Um, he did say that this is 
a, a similar injury to one he sustained in high school and he was able to come back fairly quickly. Now there was a state championship on the line and they ended up winning it. So obviously the stakes were a little bit higher. You probably push your physical limits a little bit more um, than maybe he would feel comfortable doing or doctors would feel comfortable with him doing for Auburn season and, and where we're at. But um, he certainly will be out for South Carolina and Alabama, um, which brings TJ Finley up. But I just wanted your thoughts on, you know, Bo playing through the injury, his season ending in this way, and, and just kind of uh, what that does to you as a quarterback to, uh, to have to go through that. A oh, great question. Uh, one thing about it, a season in the injury is it's never fun, uh, especially when it's later in the season, because, you know, you're trying to finish the year out strong and, you know, you don't get a chance to do it. And it's close to the Iron Bowl. You know, he grew up in Alabama. You know, he's from the Birmingham area, so he knows all about the robbery. And I'm pretty sure he looked forward to it. And to have to sit that game out and miss that one, you know, along with this one this week. You know, that one is just like a tough pill to swallow because you only get so many chances to play in this game and uh, and everything. So, you know, like I said, one thing we can respect about Bo is his toughness. You know, he, he does play tough. He does play hard. You know, whether he's a good game or a bad game, you know, he's going to play tough. Um, you know, so it's just unfortunately that his season ends, you know, this way, uh, you know, them as a team this year. But, you know, like I said, TJ Finley, this is an opportunity for him now to, you know, whether it's, you know, whatever he wants to show people, you know, what he can do as a quarterback. And like I've always said, you know, anytime you play in the quarterback position, you always got to stay ready. You know, you can't, yeah. even when you're not playing and you feel like as a competitor, we all feel like we should be playing. And you're, and you're sitting on that sideline and you're just like, those jobs are limited, Taylor. Like, it's only so many starting quarterback jobs you can get, especially in the mm-hmm. SEC. You know, in the, in the NFL, it's only 32 of them. And in, in, in the SEC, you know, it, it's just not many. And so, you know, you want to be playing, but you, you can't, you know. So the fact that now this has happened and he has an opportunity to go play against South Carolina and then he has an opportunity to play in the Iron Bowl and then a bowl game, you know, this is kind of like for him to see, okay, what have you been doing you know, why you had a chance to watch a little bit. And it's going to take mm-hmm. him a couple of series to get his rhythm going. You know, the last real action he played was Georgia State. You know, he played an LSU game for a series, but his real action was Georgia State. So, you know, we'll see how he responds and everything. But you have to be excited for the opportunity that he gets to go out there and, and see what he can do. But you also feel for Bo, his season ending up like this because you, I was looking forward to seeing – I was looking forward to seeing how would how would they finish this year as a whole, you know, like, so what do you go into the spring working on as a team to try to get better for next season? So now you don't have your kicker and you don't have your starting quarterback. So yep. now you just have to see like, okay, what do we have behind these guys and who do we have as a team and who are going to be the guys that's going to rally behind these guys and show up? So that's the next question. Will we get more of tank? You know, it's just, uh, I say injuries are part of the game. It's tough. I've been there. I've had season injuries before, uh, twice in my career. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, they're never fun. But, uh, you know, Boa bounce back and, uh, you know, be better for it. But at the same time, though, TJ, this is an opportunity for him. Absolutely. It's one of the, the weird narratives of college football that does end up happening sometimes. Coincidences, irony, 
fate. I don't know. But the fact that he's, you know, stepping into the starter role against South Carolina yet again, which was what happened to him last year when he was with LSU, he started against them after miles Brennan went down with a season ending injury and he led them to a 30 point win over South Carolina. He had an 81% completion percentage, 265 yards and two touchdowns. So he was able to make something happen against that defense. It's a, a somewhat of a comfortable environment for him. We shall see, but South Carolina, we are turning the page on last week. Let's look ahead. South Carolina is five and five. They are two and five in the sec. They are coming off a loss to Missouri, who is not having a great season. Missouri has one of the worst defenses in the country, and yet they were only able to rack up 57 rushing yards against the Missouri defense. Really unsure how that happens, but they're probably looking at our game for last week and not sure how that happened either. So uh, touche. But uh, offensively, we uh, have seen South Carolina go through three quarterbacks in the first year of a new system under head coach Shane Bieber, which is uh a challenging thing to do when you're trying to implement something new. Um, They are 100th in the country in scoring offense, averaging just 333 yards per game of total offense. Now their strength is running back Zaquandre White, Zaquandre White, who leads with 462 yards and two touchdowns. And also Kevin Harris with 402 yards and three touchdowns. Kevin Harris really had a breakout year last season. You might remember But as far as the quarterbacks, Luke Doty started the season. I think he was able to play six games before a season-ending injury. Grad assistant Zeb Poland has played, and they're now going with St. Francis transfer, Jason Brown, who is the one who led them to a win over Florida. That's the one that just makes you scratch your head. Like you, this, even without Bo Nix, Auburn is the better football team here. Auburn has more talent. Auburn has more depth. South Carolina is in a rebuild and year one of it that uh, is behind where Auburn is, even with a new coach for us as well. But somehow they pulled out a win against Florida, which is basically a dumpster fire. <laughs> you know, the Gators are just like, woof, they're in a really bad spot. But it's just one of those things in the SEC that any given week, something crazy can happen. So you you can't write them off. You really never know. Now, defensively, it is one of the best pass defenses in the country. They allow just 185.8 yards per game. They've had 14 interceptions on the year. So they're fast. They fly around to the ball, and they put pressure on quarterbacks. Now they're allowing 168.9 yards rushing per game. So on the ground is really their weakness. I think it could be a very big game for our running backs if we choose to go with that game plan but tj finley was able to have some success through the air against south carolina last year so um jalen foster leads the team in tackles with 80 and interceptions with five so you watch out for him in whichever way you try and run this thing offensively but i certainly think there is a comfortability in you know this being tj finley's first time getting the start against a south carolina defense there are certainly weaknesses for them Uh, It's better for him to get this one than for his first one to be the Iron Bowl. Can I get an amen? But um, it's, I think it arguably is more about Auburn beating what they did last week, overcoming what happened last week, more so than it is South Carolina. I think right now, this has to be a situation where you're really looking in the mirror and focusing at that this week. Oh, no doubt. Like, you can't even worry about, you know, like I said, last year we lost to South Carolina. 
um, up there, but like, that was a totally different staff, you know, and it's a totally mm-hmm. different room. So, you know, this season, like you say, like, shoot, you, you got to be worrying about yourself. I think if we just worry about ourselves and take care of our business, you know, we win this game. Like you say, anybody that's given up that many rushing yards to South Carolina, like this should be a game for our run game to get back on track, you know, because you're going to need this game in the Iron Bowl. You're going to need the run game in the Iron Bowl in order to be successful. So, you know, this is a game to kind of rust off whatever happened last week and try to get yourself back on the right side of the ship. But when you think about this football game, it's not going to be easy because this is the most unstable college football season I've seen in a long time. Like, you know, we beat Texas, I mean, Texas A&M beat us. We beat Ole Miss. Ole Miss beats Texas A&M. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just stuff like that. Florida lose to South Carolina, like, and then almost lose to Sanford. And so we don't even know what kind of team Florida is anymore. So I can't even give you any kudos of giving South Carolina credit for beating for beating Florida because they almost mm-hmm. lost their home to Sanford. So I don't know what kind of South Carolina team we we're going to see this weekend because the simple fact is they lost to a Missouri team who's not having a great year. But at the same time, they're coming back home and Auburn it's been a, a little bit of a tough environment for us there. So you just you just don't know. But like you say, from a from a perspective of player dominant standpoint, we should win this game. And yeah. this is a game you have to go up there and take because you want to get that sour taste out of your mouth. It's not like baseball and basketball where you have a blown lead and you lose a tough game and you're just going home and you're just scratching your head and you just like, but you got to it got to stay in your mouth until you can play six days later, seven days later. Right. Like, you can't do anything about it until then, but basketball and baseball, I may get another game the next day or the day after. So I don't have to live with it long enough. I don't have it's to true. answer these questions all week long about what happened. What was the meltdown? What happened in this game? What happened? And you're trying to move forward because nobody moves forward until you play that next game. Right. So, you know, this is a big game for them to go out there and win because you can't afford to lose this game. You just no. really can't. Like, you know, this just can't happen. Just right. put it that way. Um, no. But from, from a perspective of Taylor, like recruiting is still on the line. Yep. You know, like you're still trying to influence players to want to come and play at Auburn and show them what you're trying to build. So there's a lot of things still at stake. And somebody was telling me about a six-way tie for Auburn to go to Atlanta. I, I don't want to get in those six-way Okay, no. Like, no, that's not get, even. That's <laughs> like, pointless. Once get, all right. Once it get past two, like, come on, people. Like, let's no. just be be real. Like, come on. You know, but no. if that happens, I eat my words. But once it get past two. No. You know. Just count me out. Right. Right. <laughs> don't exactly. even, I'm not, I'm not don't even talk getting to all of that. So I'm not no. getting into that. But, you know, this is a this is a great opportunity, I feel like, for our defense to get back on track. Let's face it, they had one really bad game. Yeah. Or I say half. Let's just say one really bad half. Yeah. And that was, you know, they gave up 40 unanswered against, against Mississippi State. Other than that, they've had a good season. So, you know, I'm not going to beat them down or nothing like that. You know, it's just one of those things just unfortunately happened, and it happened to our football team where you give up 40 unanswered. They have their own record, Mississippi State, the first in school history where they come back from more than 25 points down and won a game. So, yeah. you know, uh, it, what it is. Uh. You just you have such a bad taste in your mouth, but you got to assume the players do as well. And And this matchup is certainly an opportunity for them to not just get a win, but ball out. I mean, they really could just completely go off and have a day this week against South Carolina like this. I also, I really like Shane Beamer and I think that he is a great fit for that program. And, and 
the problem is like how far South Carolina has fallen from like the Steve Spurrier days and and the days where they really were a force to be reckoned with in the East. They've fallen so far from it that the rebuild, that's going to be a very long-term process, but I do, I really like Shane Beamers. I'm not here to dog them, but they're really, they're, they're not a great football team yet. And I think that Auburn has a, a better shot of really putting on a, a big show. And I think it could be a great day for TJ Finley. I saw that really since the Georgia state game. And since, you know, that week, it was kind of unknown who was going to start, even though Bo ended up starting since then they've basically been operating as both of them have been operating as the one in practice. So they've really been doing one and one reps. So he's saying that he has been preparing as the starter since Georgia state. He does get a lot of reps with the ones and they've had him in the rotation to where if this happened or if we put him in, you know, because Bo was struggling, maybe not even injury. It wasn't like, Oh, your backup's in. It was just like another one is in. So I'm, I'm hopeful that because of the way that they have prepared for this, that that chemistry will kind of be there. That rhythm will be there. Um, But it's going to be up to him to kind of rise to the occasion. This is why he chose Auburn. You know what I mean? Like he, He spoke about that during his transfer process that he saw this as a viable option for him because he believed he could compete with Bo and not to knock Bo in any way. He just saw it as a good fit for him and a good opportunity. Well, buddy, here's your opportunity. You know, I mean, you are never more than one play away from your chance. You always say that, Jay. I mean, at any point in this game, you could be 10 minutes away from your shot and this is his shot now. So you got to put your money where your mouth is. And, and hopefully that preparation is going to show itself, but um, it's always challenging. Let me ask you a question that you're probably going to be like, Oh God. Um, (laughs) Now that Bo has had a season ending injury, Mm -hmm. do you think he returns next year? And do you think if he hadn't gotten injured and did complete the season, would your answer be any different? My answer wouldn't be different. I, I I still think he's coming back for his senior season. Um, Do you? you know, yeah, I still think he's coming back for his senior season. I, I know there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, he may go ahead and uh, try to go to the NFL and, you know, because it's not a huge NFL draft class this year. And he uh-huh. probably feels like he fits in better if he was to leave this year and have a better opportunity of, of getting drafted and, and going in the NFL based off what's out there this season. And it's so, so the class is not as deep. Um, but at the same time, like this kid grew up in the state of Alabama, you know, like, you know, he didn't play in but two Iron Bowls so far, you know. So mm-hmm. it's just things like that that kind of, you know, it's not about trying to go to the league for money for him. You know, it's just yeah. like it's an opportunity to, to play at the highest level. That's every kid's dream and uh, and everything. So. I think he'll weigh his options and I think he'll base the decision off of that. But for me, it looks like he's going to be returning just because there's still so many things he needs to work on that you can't get away with in the NFL. Um, Mm. You know, even though he's shown signs of some improvement, it's still a ways to kind of go. But if he was to leave, 
he is very athletic. He can throw the ball. Um, and the offenses are kind of tailored nowadays towards, you know, half the NFL is tailored towards his uh his skill set where they run a lot of RPOs and they're using the quarterbacks mm-hmm. in a lot of run design plays. So that kind of fits him if he can get on somebody's team and kind of, you know, hang on there, you know, um, it may roll well for him. Yeah. But I just don't see it happening. And as far as TJ goes, you know, if it was to happen, he has what two seasons left after this year to be Auburn's guy, but he also would have to compete with Demetrius, uh, you know, the, the kid, the kid that came from Texas, the four-star quarterback, the dual threat quarterback. So I don't think it will just be handed to him. You know, I think both of those guys would be having to fight for the starting quarterback job, uh, you know, but for TJ, he got to go into this week and he got to say to himself, Taylor is, I can't, I'm not trying to save the season. You know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's, we're six and four, you know, like, right. You know, the SEC championship, all that stuff, like, that's not what you're thinking about. Like, you're going out here and trying to be 1-0, and as Coach Harson say, but you're trying to do the things that you need to do to propel to show why you can be a number one quarterback, you know, and uh, and everything. But don't go out there trying to feel like you got to prove things 10 times over, you know, to, to meet people's approval, you know, because I know the fan base. <laughs> I know it can be tough sometimes, yeah, you know, true. so – so don't don't do that. That's the worst mistake he can go out there and try to do. Uh, he just need to go out there and play one play at a time and just let the game come to him. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. You can't uh, you can't make it bigger than it already is. You just got to settle in and execute. I actually I have felt pretty sure that he was going to leave after this year, but now that he's gotten injured, I actually think it will affect his decision. Um, still think that it's on the table. But um, if he had not gotten injured and you asked me that question right now, I would say I think he's leaving. So it'll be interesting to see how all of that shapes up, uh, how they respond this week. They certainly need uh, a bounce back, even though, it, you know, you feel like the season is is wrapped up. You're out of the SEC West. You're definitely not going to go to the playoff. You still want to close this thing out strong. You don't want to be you know, the team that just completely lost it at the end and never regained it and end up in some, you know, rough bowl game, you know, we still could end Alamo up bowl or something. Or... Yeah. Like <laughs> we still could end up with a, a really solid bowl game, a great way to close out the season, a great opportunity to see future talent for recruits to be still invested. I mean, you, you've got a lot on the line still. So excited to see how they bounce back, how they uh, handle this matchup at hand and, who really steps up because I think you really see what you're made of after you face adversity like they did this mm-hmm. week. And, and you you head into something where you need all hands on deck. You need a, a, a big time leader to step up and make plays and be vocal. This is really when the, the cream rises, you know? So I'm, uh, I'm excited to see the response in this one, but that is going to do it for us here on Believe in Everything Auburn. Thank you so much for listening and following along with us all season long. There's only two more, y'all. Crazy enough. It goes by really fast every freaking year. Oh, but man. it's crazy. So make sure you enjoy it. Make sure you hang with them. And uh, make sure you listen to us next week as we break down whatever the heck happens in Columbia this week. Prayers up. Okay, everybody, have a great week. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe. Leave us a review. Thumbs up. War Eagle. Have a good week, everybody. Peace. Have a good weekend, peeps. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube.